What's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight's episode nine, titled Carolina Stud, because we have our first South Carolina baseball player on the show, Will Sanders. He's going to be joining us. But, man, before Will joins us, Jim, I need to know. You were in Houston for the Triner Classic, dude. Give me the rundown. Tell me how how it was, the experience, the game. Give me the whole story. The quality of baseball lived up to the hype. Minute Maid Park, uh, beautiful, so it lived up to the hype. Uh, Texas came out, took out uh, LSU in, te- or in Tennessee. They looked really good. I don't know how they, they dropped that game to Baylor day three. I unfortunately didn't see that one. Um, however, I did get to see Tennessee turn it around in their next two games. Saw some of our guests absolutely tear it up. One specifically, a shout out to Evan Russell for just having an amazing weekend. Um, got to see the LSU guys play. The biggest note I want to mention on that, Daniel, you know, we try to bring attention to college baseball. Over 25,000 fans at the Texas LSU game. So shout out to the fan support and making college baseball a big deal down in Houston. Who needs Major League Baseball when you got college baseball, man? And with that, help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, South Carolina pitcher, Will Sanders. All right, Will, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, no problem. So I see you're from the Atlanta area. Do you happen to, by chance, be a Braves fan? I am. Uh, the new stadium is about 10 minutes from my house, and so we got to go up there and watch some of the games. It was pretty cool. Yeah, man, how much fun was it watching your team win the World Series? It was really fun. Me and my buddies went to the uh, NLDS against the Dodgers, and it was just fun to watch the whole city gather around. Yeah, now around here, uh, most people are Cardinals fans, but Austin Riley is directly from where I'm from and went to the the high school, so he's a legend. And with him being on the Braves uh, team, basically this whole area became, uh, you know, Braves fans temporarily and we're rooting them on. And so the games were on everywhere. People started buying Braves gear and everything, obviously with Austin's jersey and whatnot. And so um, we became Braves fans and uh, got to be a long part of the ride. I don't claim them, so I'm not I'm not going to be a bandwagon guy like that. But it was fun to watch you guys win. I like all the guys on that team. And so being that that is your team, that's cool that you got to enjoy that and be a part of that. Um, but with that, you know, you're from Atlanta. Um, are you from like a big area in Atlanta? Or are you from like an outer suburb, suburbial area? I'm from Buckhead, so it's kind of close to downtown and it's close to Sandy Springs, which is where the truest field or park is. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And so growing up, um, you know, you, uh, you're the only child, you got a bunch of siblings. What's going on? I got an older brother who went to the University of Miami down in Florida, and I got a younger sister who's uh, a junior. Either of them athletes? My sister plays volleyball. She, she's pretty good. So was uh, was what's the age gap? Y'all got any competitiveness between the two of y'all? Me and my brother, he's two years. Today's his birthday, actually. Uh, he's two years and three weeks older than me. Gotcha, gotcha. So as a kid, uh, you know, was baseball something that, you know, you naturally just gravitated to, you know, T-ball and just kept playing? Or was it something that you picked up later on and – was it the only sports you were playing when you were young? 
baseball was kind of my love as a game. I was playing football until eighth grade, and then I got hit in the hip one time with a helmet too hard. And so turned to baseball, and that's just really what I've been focusing on other than school. Yeah. So usually there's an influence. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a you know famous athlete. Was there a big influence on you uh, that really pushed you in the game of baseball, like somebody you personally knew or somebody that you watched? There's been a whole bunch of people in my life that has kind of helped me get to where I am. But when I was a kid, my favorite thing to do was watch the Braves game. And I think Jeff Francoeur and Chipper Jones really got put it in my head that I want to do this. And a whole bunch of dudes from East Cobb, because that's where I was playing my travel ball. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of them have been to the big leagues. And it's just made me want to do everything I can to be there. Man, uh, obviously, I'm jealous of you being your age, but if you were my age uh, and you'd have been a Braves fan, uh, as a pitcher yourself, man, getting yep. to watch uh, Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz, oh, that was there was there'll never be a better trio. I don't I don't think ever as a set of pitchers in baseball. And so growing up, that's what I, I got to watch. Like I said, not not a Braves fan, but uh, I definitely was jealous. Um, that's cool. My parents you, watched them. That was. Do you do you watch highlights? I mean, do they? They show highlights, and you see see the way they used to throw back in the day. I see Maddox in his two seams sometimes on uh, social media, but John Smoltz was just a flamethrower. But that's pretty cool. What he can do is start and then go to the bullpen and then close, and he's just talented. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as you and baseball, you know, you said you played football to your eighth grade. Uh, obviously, um, you're probably playing baseball at a high level early. I see that you played uh, played for East Cobb. We've had quite a uh, quite a few athletes that came through here to play for the East Cobb Astros, um, especially our last guest, Blade Tidwell. Did you by chance get a chance to play with him? Blade and I got to play uh, two summers together, and it was just fun. And we got to play this summer together over USA. And it's just, it's been cool to see how we both grow independently and then come together over the summer just for a bit time and play a couple games and just pick each other's brains about what, what worked, what didn't work, how the season went and teams. And so it's, it's always fun to talk to uh, very good players. So you're from that actual region. So East Cobb makes sense, but what makes East Cobb so great that we've seen guys come from further distances to try to play for that, that travel team? I think it's just the competition that the park brings. There's 10 beautiful fields and everybody wants to play there. And it also has a reputation for being the best program for the last 25 years. Brian McCann, Jeffrey Cor, uh, Javier Baez, a whole bunch of dudes. And just, it attracts the best players. Yeah. And I mean, as we know, playing against the best is the way to become the best. So yeah. Um, no doubt it's it's reputation precedes it and then when you start naming dudes like that and then obviously the guests that the, we've had and now including yourself um but you know outside of east cobb you played high school where'd you go to high school at i went to woodward academy which is right next to the uh, atlanta airport i gotcha was that a big school or a small school it's pretty big it was uh it's the largest private school in the country other than the one obama went to in hawaii I got you. Uh, big uh, academic requirement there when you go to a school like that? Yeah. It, the main thing they helped was figure out what works for you and time management and how to complete all your schoolwork and stay on top of it and still succeed on the field. 
Yeah, the reason I ask is because usually any of the athletes that we talk to that went to private schools, it actually helped them to transition into college because those schools um, prepared them better for the classes that they would be taking, whereas some of these other public school cats. Yeah, high school was much more difficult than South Carolina. <laughs> oh, don't let the way from South Carolina hear you say that, especially <laughs> professors. Uh, no, but I see as far as just, you know, the one big thing that stands out uh, as far as playing high school is that in the state playoffs, I had a birth in 2019. Um, you know, it doesn't say much else. So safe to say it was it was all about club ball where you were at. Yeah. So uh, that playoff birth in 2019, we actually played Blessed Trinity, which is where C.J. Abrams went. And so there were a whole bunch of scouts there. And that was kind of what put me on the scene was because that was like May going into my senior year, the summer before my senior year. And uh, we played CJ and I got hit and a whole bunch of scouts were there watching me. And then two months later, same scouts watching me and I was a different person. It just watching somebody that good pushed me to see if I can get to that level. Yeah, no, it's crazy how that works. I, uh, I got to see one of the best high school games this past year in Mississippi. Uh, Brady Tiger was the he's, – he's at Arkansas now. He was the number one uh, ranked pitcher in the state of Mississippi. Well, he played for Lewisburg, and they were going against Tupelo. And I bring this up to you because what you're talking about, they – the scouts – there was eight scouts there to see him. Well, Hunter Elliott, who's at Ole Miss now, decided, well, I know the scouts are here to see you. Let me show you what I can do. Anyway, he threw seven innings, only gave up one hit, no walks, 15 Ks. Uh, topped out at 94 how, how about that for showing the scouts while they're there hey watch me too that's pretty good <laughs> yeah so I mean it, it's pretty cool when you when you get the opportunity it doesn't matter who they're there to see make sure they know that uh, you're there as well but uh, I see that you were Under Armour All-American in 2019 Georgia dugout preview magazine 4A All-State first team perfect game preseason you know I, I can go down these uh number two ranked right-handed pitcher and number three overall in the state of Georgia coming out of high school so with these accolades stacked up at what point you know you're talking about getting on the scene um at what point did colleges really start to pursue you and what ultimately made you choose South Carolina well it was a shortly list of colleges Kennesaw State which is a uh, mid-major right next to East Cobb Baseball they offered me my sophomore year of high school and then South Carolina offered me, I went, came up to a camp as uh, just a camper hit 86 threw pretty good in the scrimmage and the coaches called me after offered me a walk-on spot. And once I committed, I felt like I had that title of a South Carolina baseball commit. And so I started to push myself harder, see what I could do in every aspect of my life. And became those All-Americans and then turned my walk on into a very healthy scholarship. And it just, that's the kind of the way I attack every day and attack these games. We play Texas in two days. It's just not everybody always has the highest, I'm saying clout, but like, yeah. uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You, you kind of, it, it's, not necessarily a chip on the shoulder, but you know, you weren't the hot, the most coveted guy. You weren't pursued by every school. So you, you feel like you need to go out there and earn it and prove that you belong at South Carolina and you prove to go against the best. Exactly. And that's, it's kind of an underdog because I was the last ranked in my recruiting class and now I'm the first. And that's just because I was the younger kid that always thought it was cool, but it never happened. And so that's how I really, 
get that's where I am today is because of that and because of that mindset. Yeah, and I don't think it, you know, sometimes it's cool. Some of these guys come on and say they got as early as eighth grade, and you're like, wow. And some of them will say it wasn't, you know, till senior year. But ultimately, if you end up at the destination you want to be at, it doesn't really matter when it when it comes. And, I mean, we've even had some guys that, uh, you know, they've had to go the JUCO route and grind, and then they end up at the D1 team of their choice. So, you know, whatever, whatever route gets you there and, um, you know, the motivation that you're using um, – Man, I'm glad to see that it's turned out that way. So let, let's talk about it. You get to South Carolina. What are the emotions like when you arrive on campus and, you know, you're a student at South Carolina and it's official? It was just cool. It was warmer than I thought it would be. But uh, campus is pretty. Facilities are pretty. And uh, we got a good team. Yeah, uh, you bring up facilities, and that's right where I was going to go. Next question. When I talk to a lot of guys, they talk about Founders Park and just how beautiful it is. Um, it's unfortunately one of the only uh, SEC parks I've not been to, and I'm told by the guys that it's absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. So with that, you know, when you go in there and you step on that field for the first time, what's that like? Lucky. The field, <laughs> our uh, grounds crew do a really good job. The main person's name is Donnie and Maritza. They just, they love working hard on the field and they love when we play hard on the field. Mm. And so it's, it's a mutual respect thing because we know they take such good care of it and we want to play good on it. Yeah. And, and I think it speaks volumes when, you know, your peers from another team um, specifically, it was the guys from Mississippi state that I know that talked about how beautiful a park it was. And you obviously know how nice the dude is in Starkville. So like, I mean, for them to talk about another venue and how nice it is, I, I think that's big ups coming from them. Um, so, you know, let's get into your freshman season. You made 22 appearances with 10 starts. Uh, you went six and three, 3.54 ERA with save 54 strikeouts over 53 innings. Um, before we get into individual performances, usually guys have a kind of expectation level for when they come in their freshman year. Did you set any kind of expectations for yourself? And if so, did you meet those expectations? The only expectation I had of myself was to do everything I can every day to get better. And they kind of showed throughout the season because at the beginning of the season, I was doing good, but I wasn't doing great. Got hit a couple of times and uh, figured it out kind of along the way and then transferred into a starting role. And that helped me find some rhythm, find who I am as a pitcher. And uh, then they moved me back into the pen right before the regional. And so we, the biggest thing that I take from it is experience and exposure to the best teams in the country. But uh, it helps me, I think, as a pitcher and as a uh, athlete, really, to go from starting to bullpen to starting to bullpen and just figuring out what works for me. And so this year it's been cool to start. And now I have my routine. I stick to it and I try to go out there and be successful. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's all about what you take from the experience and learn from it. Um, you know, I, I heard an interview um, with you the other day um, as a clip, and it was you were you know the expectations coming into a sophomore season, and you know, it's all about what you take from the freshman season, right? And that's exactly what you're saying. Um, if you, if you take a lot of out of it, you 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 know take note and learn of everything that you you did right, you did wrong, um, study it. Um, going into sophomore season, you know, you should, you should be game because you've got it under your belt now. Like you said, you, you've had all phases, whether you were the starter out of the bullpen, you've went through the SEC gauntlet. So coming into this year, um, I know that you're prepared. And we'll get to that in a second. 
I wanted to get into some individual games in your freshman year. Uh, first one being Georgia, you know, April 4th, uh, you went eight innings, allowed just one run, four strikeouts, no walks and a win. Um, that's an SEC opponent, you know, eight innings. That's obviously going deep. That's impressive. Um, what did that, uh, what was the emotions like after getting that W against Georgia? It was just state pride because they never recruited me and I wanted to beat them on their turf and show them that they should have recruited me. Not saying that I wouldn't go there, but uh, I wondered if there was a little extra motivation when I when I saw that stat line and who it was against. Uh, I, I thought maybe there might be a little something there. My buddy who I played with from 8U to 12U is at Georgia. And so and he was a starter last year. And so I got to face him and it was just fun. And I mean, that's what kind of the, the big thing is is if people walk into a challenge thinking about all the outside factors, then it's too much information for the brain to process. Right. So just like Georgia, just like last week with 9,000 people with us versus Clemson. When you get the ball, it's just reaction. You're just playing the game. Instead of thinking about, oh, we're in Athens, Georgia. This is where I'm from. I have to do well. It's you get the opportunity to be successful. And it's just how you handle it is depicts your life, really. Absolutely. And you handled it well. And um, that, that was, like I said, an exceptional win for you. Um, you know, you talked about going into the bullpen, which is uh, what I wanted to Martin next. You uh, and you brought up Clemson. Um, back-to-back games against Clemson on February 27th, 28th, combined to pitch 1.2 innings of hitless relief. And uh, you got you got the the wins for both of them, you know. And, uh, you know, it's a team game. And obviously, with only 1.2 innings under your belt, uh, there was a lot of work done by a lot of other guys. But nonetheless, uh, you got you got the Ws in the column. So how cool was that on back-to-back days to get, uh, to get wins against Clemson out of the pen? It was electric. But I was so nervous that first day because – that was my first big test. Bases coming in, bases loaded, top of the 10, tie game, no outs, and got to get out of it. And so that really gave me the confidence to have a good freshman year. And now you, you said a word preparation. I, I take that very seriously because mm-hmm. the only way you have self-confidence is if you trust your preparation. Mm-hmm. And last year I thought I did, but now it's immense that – I'm prepared and I'm confident I'm ready to go out and beat anybody. Yeah. So you said top of the 10th. I didn't know that. So uh, you obviously walked it off. Who who hit the walk off? Do you remember? Andrew Eister. And he, the reason why I got those two wins is because he hit the walk off in the bottom of the 10th Saturday and then hit the walk off in the bottom of the ninth Sunday. Ah, so that's your man. You own one. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. So, uh, also, you had wins against uh, powerhouse programs, Florida and LSU. Um, you know, when I'm looking at it, is that around the point in the season where you started to find your groove? Because, I mean, you know, when you look at Georgia and then you look at the, the wins over Florida and LSU, it's, it starts to seem like you're having more and more success. And, like I said, against big-name programs. Um, is, is that where you'd say you really started to find something? Yeah, that was the beginning of the year and kind of throughout the SEC plays where I found myself in Arkansas. I had an outing really wasn't bad till Caden Wallace hit a one, two slider <laughs> a little too far, but, but I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas last year, well, hey, let's call it what it is. I, I, I couldn't believe that they got upset more than Omaha. I mean, to win every single SEC series and some of them convincingly Arkansas, I can't, I can't say nothing to you if you give up anything to Arkansas because last year they were just something. 
then they won six games in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I mean, they, they were they were unreal. Uh, you know, we talked to the Tennessee guys after the, that series, and they were just – I mean, they tipped their cap to them. They were just – I mean, good. They're, they're, they're good. And so, if that's the team that gets you, Will, then, hey, man, it is what it is. That's, that's what's remarkable about baseball, though, right, because they couldn't get beat all year, and then NC State comes up and knocks them off, and they don't even make it to Omaha. It's, it's wild. Baseball's humbling. It's so yeah. humbling. Uh, so you guys host regionals, and uh, you you beat Virginia the first time around, but then uh, you know you drop to Old Dominion, and then you drop to to Virginia. They got redemption on you, but all three of those games were one run games. So I got two questions for you. Um, the first being that y'all were at home uh, for those games. You know what was the uh, atmosphere like? You know we already talked about just in general Founders Park, but during a regionals, I mean, was it super electric? Saturday night was the game we lost to Old Dominion, and our starter went eight innings, one run game. It just he had a very good outing, but uh, bases loaded, walk, gave him the winning run, and we couldn't score at the end. But uh, Founders Park is just fun to play in front of all those people, and it's so it's built like a stadium. It's a minor league stadium on a college campus, and it's just a very big blessing to be able to play there. So to not not give credit to the other team, I guess you still would be. But when I look at it, you know, you lost to Old Dominion by one, you lost to Virginia by one, and you'd already beaten Virginia. And following the whole year, uh, you know, our main host, Daniel, he he kept saying all year, don't sleep on South Carolina. He was a firm believer that um, y'all were a legit Omaha team. And so when I look at it and we watched y'all and we paid attention – felt like you were definitely better than than both those teams. You only lost by one run. So would you say um, they were just better on those days? Yeah. I mean, we, we had the opportunities to win, and we just didn't uh, conquer them. And so it bit us in the end. But uh, our pitching staff last year was, if not the best, one of the best in the country. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina stayed on the – like I said, because we talked about it. And, and, the, and the reason uh, – Daniel is a guy who uh, likes to appreciate a kind of an underdog. Even though you all really weren't an underdog, you were because everybody was talking about Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, you know, and so on, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. And so y'all kind of were the, the ones not getting talked about, but y'all had been showing all season you weren't a team that you wanted to mess with. And so um, he always brought attention to the fact that, uh, you know, y'all needed respect. And I felt like that, like you said, y'all just didn't capitalize on the opportunities, but very easily those games could have went the other way and uh, could have seen y'all in super regionals. But, you know, just to highlight on one more thing on last season, you know, you made academic honor rolls. So shout out to you for taking care of your grades, you know, and we talked about how high school prepped you for that. And then you mentioned Team USA, which was the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, you know, how cool was it just being a part of a team with all the best players from the country and just getting to play together and get to know each other? Very big blessing to be there and just put on that uniform and really talk to the best players in the country because that's how I get better. That's how most people get better is just being able to have the information and use it in your way and your benefit. And so that was the biggest thing that I try to do over the summer was just talk to as many people as I could and see how they approach the game, how they approach their work off the field and just kind of their lifestyle. And 
just learn as much as I can and try to find ways to help me because that's, that's the fun part is being able to be there with the best and being able to learn about the game. For you guys as pitchers, did y'all have a, like uh, a lot of competition amongst yourselves just for fun, you know, because I mean, a lot, especially with a lot of you guys being SEC guys. We didn't have like competition, but we knew everybody wanted to do better than everybody else. <laughs> What's up? Landon Sims is my guy, but I just want to get your perspective. I mean, he's a bulldog and not just uh, his mascot, but that guy, that guy is something interesting, isn't he? Yeah, he is cool. So Landon and I worked out over Christmas break together. And so I got to talk to him, kind of pick his brain again, just seeing what he does with his fastball slider and the way he works out, the way he does arm care, just being around a really good player, that'll help me. So it's a good opportunity. Yeah, unfortunately for him, arm care is a, is a, is a major issue. I don't know if you heard, they haven't exactly released um, the extent of it, but I'll just tell you, it's 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 not good, so to speak. But and and I hate it for him because you say it's meeting him. Um, Landon's as good as dude as you meet. But I'll ask you this: um, We ask this question. I'm putting you on the spot. We usually get the same answer, um, but we'll see if maybe we get a different one. If you could say who impressed you the most on that team, like who just stood out to you the most uh, was with their talent. Who was it? I think Dylan Cruz is the best player in college baseball. I just do. And he's so cool. Like he's so nice and you can talk to him and he just, he, I have the utmost respect for that man. But. I keep wondering when we're going to get a different answer and, and we're not. And that, and that's my guy and we've had him on here and that's my actual team is LSU. And so um, I actually was just uh, at the Shriners classic watching them hanging out with his dad behind home plate and, uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's the same answer, and everybody always says he doesn't belong in uh, college baseball. But we have him on here, and he's so humble, right? All he can talk about is what he needs humble. to improve. Yeah, it's it's wild. So let's there's talk a story about that because Blade and I were close; we've been friends for a while. So I've never really got to talk to Dylan because USA was the first big, I guess, Under Armour perfect game, but we didn't get to talk that much. So Blade and I are uh, talking to him before the game and his first at bat, it's 2-0 count. He gets 96 away and he stings it to right center. Drew Gilbert from Tennessee mm-hmm. dives, makes the catch. Sweet catch. All right. Blade and I are talking and Dylan's walking back in the dugout and we're like messing with him. I'm like, nice job. And he takes off his batting gloves slowly, takes off his helmet says it's a tough game. Mm. His next AB, 2-0 pitch, 95 away. Same swing, just went 50 feet higher over the fence. And that's what it's like. He doesn't – he has the ability to separate at-bats, and that's what makes him good is because he doesn't carry – even if he strikes out all three pitches, he still will separate the at-bat, make all the plays in the field, and be a great person. He's just – he's cool. Yeah, no, he's he's humble as he gets. He's dynamic. I'm sure he's beating himself up uh, after the Shiners Classic, but if my man would have stopped trying to go over the center field fence in a major league park, um, <laughs> if he would have been if he would have been in any other park, he might have had four home runs. He had two that were caught at the warning track and two that went off the wall. Anyway, it was like man, and he kept trying to he kept trying to go to either right center or deep, just straight down Broadway, and it was like my man, like hit it to the porches <laughs> yeah it, it was man and there there was a lot of home runs that would uh 
they would have definitely been out. And that's what's interesting about when you play in a big league park. And it kind of prepares you because that's what happens when you get to Omaha too. Those, those dimensions get bigger and everything. And that was, you know, you brought up Drew Gilbert. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that they talk about with Tennessee is they play at Lindsey Nelson. They play with small, uh, you know, dimensions, what it's like when you get to those big parks. So that's why I like that, you know, you get to play in those type of facilities and, and get an idea of what it's like, because that's what Omaha is going to be like if you get there. Um, you know, so to start this season, you know, uh, you got a preseason All-American award. So obviously there's expectations put on you. Um you so far you've started off two and zero with twenty two Ks, five walks, two point three two point three seven ERA. Um, you know how are you feeling right now? Where you're at? Um, what's the what's the thing that you feel like you're needing to improve upon the most? Well, I really don't like those five walks, but uh, all of those came against Clemson Friday. Two of those were intentional, but uh, still shows up the same way in the stat sheet though, doesn't exactly. it? Same thing. <laughs> But uh, the biggest thing that I've really worked on over the fall and this early spring is curveball and slider and having two different profiles of those pitches. And I got my four seam and two seam and change up. And so being able to use five different pitches whenever I want and put them where I want is going to make me an elite pitcher. And that's what I want because I've worked for it. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, by all accounts of baseball writers in America, um, they feel you're elite. And so, um, you know, they, they know more than, than I'm going to know. And if, if they think you're elite, that's, a, that's, that's saying something, um, you know, and obviously you said, you know, got to eliminate the walks. That's every, that's every pitcher's, you know, biggest thing. You can't never have the walks. It's no different than the batter. You don't want to strike out. Um, you know, you had tough outing against Clemson. The whole series was tough for you guys. Obviously that's why you're seven and four. Um, what's the coach's message? What's the team's message? How do y'all bounce back? Because as you alluded to, man, you got number one Texas coming in and, uh, you know, you know what I know. I just watched them in per person for, <laughs> for, for three games. Um, they're legit. So how do you move past Clemson? Put, put that on the back burner. What does coach say? What are y'all saying? What are y'all doing to prepare? Texas is coming to your house. Let's get, let's get some redemption for what happened this past weekend. Baseball is a hard game. It can take small chances to go one team's way or another, but uh, we got to come back tomorrow and be, be better. And that's kind of the way we're approaching Texas is they're good, but we're good too. You got to get 27 outs and you got to score more runs. So we're going to be that team. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, and that's, we talk, we talk about um, every game's different and we talk about how baseball's humbling, you know, um, Texas just, just this past weekend, like I said, well, I, I said I watched them every game. I actually didn't watch them the the Sunday game. I expected them to just railroad Baylor because of how they handled LSU and Tennessee, and then somehow they lost, and I, I didn't even get to see. But um, shows that they're not unbeatable is, I guess, what, what I'm going with. And uh, another note worth noting, you know, for anybody who thought maybe Clemson was a slouch, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, when I saw it earlier, they're one of seven unbeatens left so in D1. So – um clearly y'all didn't just lose to lose to some scrub um it's, it's worth tipping the cap to to Clemson um you know we got an upcoming guest from Texas uh who happens to be red hot so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this uh, tread lightly with Ivan Melendez because um that dude's hitting tanks right now um don't, don't stay out of his wheelhouse Will he's a good hitter but he hasn't seen me yet I love it. I love the confidence. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything else or want anything less. 
Well, with that, man, um, you know, we're going to transition and we're going to play a little game, get a little lighthearted feel before we let you go. Um, it's called this or that. And so basically the way it works is I uh, give you two options. You pick one or the other. You can't say neither and you can't say both. You down? Cool. All right. So this last one is, is something that we were going to do away with, but it's became a real interesting debate. Uh, you, you know, you said you played on Team USA and and Brooks Lee is somebody who really kind of opened this question back up. So I'm going to ask you, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and Brooks was adamant it was as well. Most guys say it is not. What's your reasoning behind it? Let's see if it's the same as his. Two pieces of bread and meat in the middle. <laughs> and that's exactly what he said. And then uh, – Daniel had told him, well, you know, my buns come together. And Brooke said, you know, when you grow up and you don't have much money, your, your bread's already broken in half. And so it's two pieces of bread for him. But <laughs> I have a new perspective now because at Minute Maid Park, they actually have a hot dog sandwich, Will. It, it, was, it was actually one of the greatest things I've ever had. It, it belongs in every baseball park in America. They have two cut dogs that are split in half. So it's layered over four on toasted bread. And then they had that thing oh, with top of mustard. Oh, it, it was it was on, bro. So I, I sent a picture to all the guys who told me that it was not a sandwich. And I said, it's official. It's here at a big league ballpark. <laughs> it is a hot dog sandwich. <laughs> so with that, if you feel a hot dog sandwich, you got to believe a burger is a sandwich too, right? Yeah. Okay. So you usually those go hand in hand. All right. Are you a glass is half empty guy or are you a glass half full? Half full. I like that. That's that's how I am personally is is the reason because you feel like there's always more work to do to fill it up. Yeah, I just don't like the word empty. <laughs> that's another good reason. All right. If you had to choose, would you rather go back in time or fast forward to the future? I say go back in time. Would you change anything or is it just because you enjoyed it? I'd enjoy it. I don't think I could change anything, but I want to go see Lou Gehrig and uh, <laughs> Mantle and I'll Babe Ruth everybody play. That'd be cool. I gotcha. Well, speaking of back in time, would you rather have lived with dinosaurs or would you rather live with aliens? Dinosaurs. <laughs> That's that's the way we felt. <laughs> Brooks Lee was the first person. I'm going to bring him up twice in one session. <laughs> and uh, my, my man said aliens and then went on a whole UFO rant to us. Anyway, uh, I never expected one of the ballplayers we talked to uh, to have so much information on aliens. We, we took a whole curve on that one. Anyway. Brooks is a weird person. But he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what? It's funny that, you know, he's weird, but he's outgoing. You know, Jacob Gonzalez is a guest of ours. And, you know, being that they both play shortstop, he said Jacob is the hardest person he's ever had to talk to. He said it was like just standing next to a warm body. Yeah, Brooks is way more gregarious than uh, – I mean, it, it, it's, it's true because I actually – Oxford is the closest place I live to, so I'm a season ticket holder and um, go to all the games even though I'm not an Ole Miss fan. And I talk to a lot of the guys because they've been guests on the show for the game. And, and Jacob, it really is true. He just – man, you'll see everybody else talking to the fans. You would actually probably think that maybe he doesn't like, you know, want to talk to kids or whatever. He's that arrogant guy. He just – he ain't talking to nobody. He's usually just off by himself. And so, um, some dudes are like – some dudes are like that. Um, 
So this is a new one that uh, that got put in here by Daniel. Would you rather have a second chance at love or a second chance at a career if, if the opportunity arose? Career. I would expect that from a baseball player, always. Um, the next two, we're going to find out everything about you. These are the last two. These are the hardest two. Would you rather do five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? Well, jail's not prison, so. Okay, all right, let me re rephrase in. Prison, five years in prison, hard time. So you got to go through the five, but it's only half the time. You got 10 years in a nap, which is comfortable. You don't remember it, but 10 years of your life is gone. I think prison, because if I can survive five years of prison, then I can really do anything. I say prison myself, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to miss 10 years of my life, but you know, some people, they don't want, they don't want that prison life. We have guys come on here and say, they don't want nothing to do with it. And Hey, I get that too. So here's the real one. We're going to find out everything about you right here, Will. All right. So you have the opportunity to be the first pick overall in the MLB draft, but the caveat is you have to cut all your friends loose or you can keep all your friends and not get drafted at all. Which would you choose? One one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We went. We went probably. I don't know. Forty baseball guests in a row where they all said friends, and we are now on a streak of five in a row that have said, "Give them that first pick." I think we were getting well, lied to. Blade, I bet you Blade said one one. Yeah, absolutely, he did because he was the last. Guest. I think we were getting lied to for a long time, Will. Because I mean. I love my friends to death, but the first pick of the draft, like, what are we talking about? And, you know, we, we made sure to look up the numbers when we, when we asked this, and we're talking about those guys were getting paid in the ballpark of eight to $12 million on top of that. So it's not even just elite status of being number one, we're talking about a paycheck here. So it's not really much to think about, but a lot of these guys try to say they, they keep their friends. They're lying. They're lying. It's okay though. A real friend would want you to, <laughs> want, you, want that for you i agree no doubt so before we let you go that's the end of the game is there anything you know you'd like to plug or promote um it, it could be within the team yourself organization um charity anything like that my dad runs a charity called saint michael's mission which is a uh, retired veteran charity for people trying to get back on their feet he was in the navy for uh 10 years, I want to say. And so that's just the way he kind of contributes back. Well, tell your dad, shout out for me. I was in the Navy myself and uh, I appreciate him for what he does. So anybody listening, go check that out. Um, you know, if you want to follow Will, you can follow him on Instagram at, at WillSanders32. Also, if you want to keep up with South Carolina at Gamecock Baseball. But with that, Will, I know you got a big weekend coming up. You need to get your rest and everything. So, uh, want to thank you for coming on, telling your story, and we look forward to seeing what you do this year, and hopefully big things are on deck. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Good luck to you with this podcast and everything going on with games. And another great episode with Bill Sanders. If you like hearing his story or hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. And as always, comments, ratings, and feedback is welcome. Next episode on deck is episode 10 with guest Elijah Pleasance of Dallas Baptist Baseball. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast, and as always, strong bodies, sharp minds, great grind all the time. We're out.